Good morning. Come on, good morning. It's not sleepy time. It's time to get excited about the word. Amen. All right. All right. This is exciting. We're kind of filling up our new section already. So we're, I don't know what we're going to do for Easter. We'll have to make more room. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So come on in. Make yourselves comfortable. Find a seat. Press in. Press in. Father, we thank you for your word, which transforms God. We thank you that your word is alive and active. It runs after us. We thank you that your word has teeth. It bites into us. We thank you that your word has legs. It chases us. We thank you that your word has arms. It holds us. So, Father... Let it get deep down inside us, change us, and rearrange us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. Woo! Here's the quote. Ready for the quote? This is from Maya Angelou. When you learn, teach. When you get, give. Come on, that's short and sweet and powerful. When you learn, teach. Isn't that an awesome way to live? When you learn something, tell somebody about it and teach it. When you get something, give something. Amen? We want to talk to you about, we're tag teaming it today, because we want to talk about a really touchy issue this Sunday. Say, "Uh uh-oh. Say, why I had to bring my friend this week. I know that's what everybody's thinking. Couldn't have been something else. We've been doing a whole series on promises. I couldn't have brought them then. I had to bring them now. God knows. Amen? So we just trust God with his word. We wanted to take this Sunday to deal with a touchy, touchy topic. It's, a, it's an area that, that's manipulated, that we've seen it used to abuse. We've seen it used to, to manipulate, to make people feel guilty, to bring about abuse even. <coughs> or it's been totally ignored in churches because of all the abuse that has been done to it and all the manipulation that has been done with it. Understand this morning, family, both approaches are totally wrong. Scripture should never be used to abuse, to manipulate, to control. Does anybody want me to say that to their husbands or their wives personally? Scripture should never be used... To, to manipulate people, to get people to do something. Listen, we, we should never use Scripture to bring shame, to bring guilt, to bring condemnation, to beat people up. Conviction comes from the Spirit of God. Amen? We can't make anybody feel convicted. We can only bring shame, guilt, and condemnation on people. With the things that we say and the judgments and the stuff, the the way we act toward people. We can never bring conviction. Conviction has to come from the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. See, the the only thing that we, the, the, the person that we emulate when we try to bring conviction on people is who? The enemy. The accuser of the brethren. That's the only one that uses scripture, that will use scripture to bring condemnation and shame and guilt. Amen. Now, unfortunately, on any Christian channel at just about any time of the day, it's easy to find somebody 
selling miracles, selling words, selling prayer cloths, selling prayer, selling encouragement. It's no wonder that people on the outside will use that as an excuse forever. I don't go to church because all church wants is your money. Anybody ever heard that or said that? The only thing church wants is your money. Now listen, if you've been coming here for any length of time, and if you're new here, just ask somebody. If you've been coming here for any length of time, you know that we don't make a big deal about collecting finances. You know that we have always been very open and upfront. When we need something, we tell you, and we trust God. We tell you, and we trust God. And, that, and that's why you, you'll never see a whole song and a dance. You won't see a mini sermon before every collection. You won't see a triple collection. You won't see a collection for this and a collection for that and a collection for that. And now we're going to collect for that and then, you know, give you a little five-minute word at the end of encouragement. That will never happen here as long as I'm alive. Praise God. I also want you to know that the pastors and the leadership here, except those involved in the accounting, do not know anything about who's giving, what you're giving, if you're giving, how much you're giving. Amen? And, and I need you to know that because if I go to hug you on a specific day, and that happens to be the day that maybe you put in an extra $11, I don't want you to think that, oh, see, somebody told pastor, today I dropped $23 instead of 12 and of course he's going to come hug me today. Okay? None of us know what you give or don't give. So if, if the offering basket comes down and you just hit it with your hand, I don't know if you put something in it. I say the truth personally, I don't care. Amen? Because you're not my source. God's my source, right? And so the only reason that I would care, because as your pastor, I care because you are holding back the blessing on your life. Amen? So we tell you and we trust God. And I want to let you know as a body, you guys have always been amazing. As a body, you guys have always been faithful man like we we say listen we we're gonna take two days off to knock these offers and build and and the response to that was amazing i was so encouraged i i was telling people i'm so encouraged that there's 19 guys here with hammers and and girl and, and women working hard cleaning and picking up and loading a van and and by 10 o'clock all the walls were down i mean i was so encouraged that those that couldn't give um to to build and couldn't you know, work hard like that. They decided to come and contribute stuff and just bring us paint and bring us rollers and bring us and, and bring us tools. And then and others said, you know what? I, we don't paint, we don't clean, we don't do nothing. But how about how many people are gonna be there? We're gonna cook them lunch. I mean, that I was so encouraged, man. That was so amazing. The way that this body responds. And so I, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And of course, God has always been faithful to us. We we're, this church is over, it's just seven years old. We raised $100,000, believed God for a building, and bought it. Amen? That's not because we're so good. It's not because we're so nice or we're so clever. It's because God is so faithful. Amen? And we're just doing what God wants us to do. Amen? So now, the ignoring, talking about finances to abuse is wrong. Ignoring, talking about finances is also wrong. Amen? 
Because the principle behind our finances is a biblical principle. And it's something that we should get just as excited about as we do with every other promise because there are promises attached as well. Come on, can we get excited? See, so while it's wrong to manipulate people about it, it's also wrong to not teach about it. There are promises attached. Listen to this. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God says, test me in this area. Proverbs 11.24, one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Come on, that's exciting. Family, we want to talk to you today about giving, about love, about trust, about faithfulness in a message titled, It's Not About the Money. Go ahead, sing it. It's not about the money, money. Come on, I know you thought it. Never heard that. You never heard that? <laughs> Two or three people here, they've heard that. And so I, I, I want every time they hear that song from now on, to remember this message and remember God's faithfulness and remember that God doesn't need your money. It's not about the money. Amen? We just want to make the world... Anyway. Go ahead, G. Amen. So Pastor George started off with a quote. I'm going to start off with a quote from the great 21st century <laughs> Bible scholar theologian Will Smith. At, at least when I asked Pastor George, that's who he told me Will Smith was. I don't know. But he said, too many people spend money they haven't heard to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. See, just, just as we preach every week that God wants us to be faithful with our lives, faithful with the way that we treat people, faithful in the way that we speak, faithful in public, faithful when we're in private, the Bible is filled with scriptures that say that in that same measure, God wants us to be faithful in how we handle our money. The way you spend your money is just as spiritual as, as being here in church today. It's just as much an act of worship when you give to God as when you lift your hands singing. So again, as Pastor George said, I, I just want to repent. I want to say I'm sorry on behalf of the body of Christ for, for manipulating, for using money, to use, for, for using preaching to try to take from you instead of to bless you. For all the TV preachers who, who tell you that if you just give into their ministry, you'll get such and such back. Or they tell you, the Lord just spoke to me that there's a hundred people out there that's going to give a thousand dollars each. I'm sorry for that. I just want I, and I break off for you all those words, all those memories 
Because I, wa I want you to have a real idea what the Bible says about giving. See, Jesus talked more about money than he did about anything else except for the kingdom of God. Jesus told 39 parables or stories, and 11 of those stories was about money, how we handle it. In Matthew 6:19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why money is so important to the Lord. As, as the thing said, it's, it's not about the money. It's about your heart. The way that you handle your finances reveals a lot about your heart. God, God everything that we have, we have be, because God gave it to us. Did you know that? Did you know it's not because you were super smart? Who, who gave you the intelligence to go out and make a living? Who wakes you up every morning? Who gives you the strength? Who gives you favor with the boss when you should have been fired a long time ago, some of you? And God blesses us, yes, so that we could have. God wants you to, to have. He wants you to live, live in a nice place. He wants you to have all your needs met. It's okay to go out and have fun. God created this world for our pleasure, for our enjoyment, for our benefit. So I'm not saying that you need to, you need to not enjoy the world, the things around you, the people around you. That never go, you can't spend money to go to the movies. You can't buy video games or whatever it is they buy today. I, all I remember was the Pac-Man thing. I, I never progressed. I'm good at that, but I never progressed past that. But that's okay. It's okay to, to have nice things. God, He loves it when you're blessed. He loves it when, when you can walk into when He can give you a nice place to live. He loves it when you have a car where, where when you step in the brake, the car stops. Some of, some of us, it's been a long time, right, where you turn the key and the car stops. But that, that's what God has. That's, he loves to bless you. He's a father that loves to give. But at the same time, God has given us finances not only so we can be blessed, so that we can be a blessing. See, a lot of the problems in this world, God has given us the resources to solve it. He's called us to give to the poor, to give to those in need, to give to the hurting. I'm going to read Luke 6:38. Give and it will be given to you. This is Jesus again speaking. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So here, here's how I want you to picture how God wants to bless you when you give. Think of a box of Cheerios. 
Remember, they're unsinkable. So you get a box of Cheerios, and you open it up, and what do you find? It's like 50% of it is filled with air. There's nothing in it, right? You think you've just got this big box, you get all excited, and it's half empty before you open it. That's not the way God gives. He says, good measure, pressed down. When he fills up the box of Cheerios, he presses it down, and then he shakes it to get the air out. Then he pours in some more, and then he shakes it again so that he could put in it everything that he can. And then when you open it up, it says that it runs over. That box of Cheerios is so full that when you open it, it pours out all over you. That's the blessings of God. That's what God wants to do for you. But the second part, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's a biblical principle. Even the world knows it. They call it what goes around comes around. It's not just about money. If, you, if, you, if you're friendly to people, that's what's going to come back to you. Some of you don't have friends because you're not very friendly. You send off vibes. Stay away from me. And then, and then go and complain, those church, nobody likes me in that church. In the meantime, someone tries to get near you to see darts coming out of your eyes. <laughs> the way that you speak, if you gossip about people, with the same measure, the gossip's going to come back on you. If you speak kindness and blessing, that's what's going to come back on you. If you're, if you're kind to people, people will, in the long run, people will be kind to you. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be kind to you. But what it means, overall, what you give out is what's going to come back to you. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. If you put corn seed in the ground, you're going to get corn. If you put friend, friendliness in the ground, you're going you're gonna to reap friends. And it works the same way with money. Now, I'm not saying that you should give to get. I've heard that sermon so many times, and I hate that sermon. Oh, you just give so you can get this big harvest. The reason that you give is because you love God so much. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could take every penny you got and give it away. And if you didn't do it out of love, you wasted your time. You gave it for nothing. So this isn't a message of, the, of how you could sow into good soil and that way you're going to get all this money back. That's not our focus. But, but in my giving, I'd be a fool not to expect back what God promised. I don't give in order so that I can become rich, but I'd be foolish not to take God's promise. And when I give, I'm expecting, I'm expecting to receive back. And it's with the measure. Those, those who give more sacrificially, God is going to bless you back even more. There's an old saying I've always heard in church, but it's, re it's really appropriate. You can't outgive God. 
you could say, this time I'm going to show up God. I'm going to take every penny I got. I'm going to, I'm going to give it away. And I guarantee you it's going to come back to you because, because God's promise is greater. See, many of God's promises are conditional. We've been teaching about the promise of God. God says that, that he will bless your marriage. Well, if, if you go out cheating on your wife, you're, you're, you're taking God's promise and you're flushing it down the toilet. There are things that you can do to stop up the blessings in your life, and there are things that you can do to bring blessing in your life. And what I want to present to you today is that I believe from the Word of God, even for the New Testament church, that God asks us as a biblical principle to give 10% of our income. And something that we call tithing. And I'm going to prove it to you from the Word. So um, Pastor George was going through some of the scriptures in Genesis about God's promises. And he spoke about Abraham. Remember the story with his, with his nephew Lot? And, and the enemy came, and they took Lot away, and his family, and all his possessions. And Abraham went out in the battle. He defeated the enemy armies. He defeated the kings. So I'm going to go to Genesis 14, starting in verse 16. This is what happened next in the story with Abraham. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from the defeating Kedar Laomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah. Then Melchizedek, and this is the person that I want to introduce to you today in the Bible. He only appears once in the whole Old Testament, but he's one of the most important people. So I'm going to give you a little theology today. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth, or a tithe, of all that he had. So he gave, when he met Melchizedek on the road, Melchizedek was a priest. What is a priest in the Old Testament? You couldn't just come to God whenever you wanted to, like we do now. We have the worship team, and you could just come in the presence of God. Back in the Old Testament times, if you wanted to come, you wanted God to do something for you. You had a prayer request. You had to go through a man called a priest, and he had to pray for you. He would offer a sacrifice for you. 
We don't do that today because Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for us. I don't have to go to a look for a man to confess my sins anymore. I don't need a man that has to stand between me and God like the priest did because I've got an intercessor in heaven. Jesus is seated in heaven and you know what he's doing? He's praying for you night and day. He's on your side. He's watching over you. He's protecting you night and day. He's a high priest. It's only dead religion that will say, well, I, I, need, to, I need a priest here because i got to go confess my sin and he got to pray for me. You can go to God directly because Jesus is now our high priest. But what happened? Abraham, who was considered the greatest man that ever lived by the Israelites met this priest named Melchizedek and he paid tithes to him. But first, before he paid the tithes, Melchizedek, the priest, he blessed him. He gave him, the, he, he gave him bread and he gave him wine. So I'm going to hold off and now I'm going to jump to the New Testament where it explains more about Melchizedek. So Hebrews chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of the highest God. He met Abraham who was retur returning from the royal massacre and gave him the blessing. Abraham in turn gave him a tenth of the spoils. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Salem means peace, so he is also king of peace. Melchizedek towers out of the past without record of family, no account of beginning or end. In this way, he is like the son of God, one huge priestly presence dominating the landscape always. You realize just how great Melchizedek is when you see that Abe, Father Abraham gave him a tenth of the captured treasure. I'm going to skip to the end. In acts of blessing, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So this man is a mystery, Melchizedek. This guy just appeared out of nowhere. He blessed Abraham. He gave him wine and bread. And in response to that, Abraham tithed to him. He gave him a tenth of all that he had. So I'm going to go over some of the characteristics of who Melchizedek was. And I'm going to let you tell me who you think this might be referring to. Number one, his name was the King of Peace. Who is the King of Peace? Jesus. Who, number two, he's also the King of Righteousness. Who's that? Number three, his priesthood was not based on his lineage. Let me tell you what that means. Back in the Old Testament, you couldn't just say you were a priest. You ever try to read the book of Leviticus when, to prove that somebody was a priest? It says, this one, his grandfather was Shmuley and his great uncle. And it goes back, and this one begat, begat that one. And the next one, uh, and his great-grandfather, Jose. And it just keeps going back and back. Because you couldn't just be a priest. You had to be descended from the tribe of Levi. There were 12 tribes. 
And in order to be a priest, you had to prove that you were from the tribe of Levi. In other words, you had to show that you had genuine Levi genes. Come on, Pastor George. That's funny, Pastor George. But this guy, Melchizedek, it doesn't say who his mother is, his father. Why? Because his priesthood is not based on who they were. His priesthood was based on him being chosen by God. And today, Jesus is our high priest. Why? Because God chose him. Number four, Melchizedek gave Abraham the bread and the wine. Does that remind anyone of anything? When do we get the bread or we use grape juice? Communion, which we're going to take today. And who gave us that? The, Jesus. The bread represents his broken body and the wine represents his blood. And he blessed Abraham. Number five, it says that this priest Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. And Jesus claimed to be greater than Abraham, and the religious leaders picked up rocks and started to stone him. Number six. See, back then, here's some more theology. You were either a king or you were a priest. You couldn't be both. King David was a king. Aaron was a priest. But this Melchizedek was a king and a priest which gives us another picture of Jesus because Jesus is not only a king, but he's a priest. He's our high priest. And in Hebrews 7, it says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, speaking about Jesus. Now, why am I saying all this about Melchizedek? See, there's a lot of people that say, well, we shouldn't have to pay our tithe anymore because that's Old Testament. See, that was part of the law. In the Old Testament times, you had to bring 10% of whatever you made and bring it to the storehouse, bring it to the priest. And if you didn't bring it, God said, I'll curse you. How many of you are glad we live in New Testament? We don't live under curse. We don't live under the law. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you like I've heard many preachers say. Well, if you don't give your 10%, God's angry. He's going to curse you. Those same people would have to say that, well, if you're not circumcised, God's going to curse you. If you don't keep the Sabbath on Saturday, God will curse you. We can't follow. We're not under the law anymore. So why am I saying that we should still give 10%? Because Abraham met this priest named Melchizedek, who was a picture, who was a pre-shadow of the greatest priest of them all. And what's his name? Jesus! And in Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek, it tells us in Hebrews 7, that symbolically he was giving his tithes to Jesus. This was before the law. He didn't do it because anyone told him to. He was so grateful to God for giving him the victory, for giving him the bread and the wine, for blessing him. 
And here's my argument today. If Abraham, who didn't have the Spirit of God, he didn't know intimacy with Jesus, he didn't have the promise that God would walk with him closely everywhere that he went, how much more should we as the people of God who have the promises take 10% of what we have and, and give it to the Lord? See, it's out of a heart full of gratitude. See, over, over the last 20 years, God has proved himself faithful in my life. I, I learned about tithing. I learned about giving the, my first 10% of all I got. I give it right, I give it to the church. Now, this is not a, a guilt thing or a condemnation thing, because not many of us here have done this perfectly. So I'm not telling you that I have. But I have seen God's faithfulness. I remember about 10 years ago when, when I was working in a church and had, had a full salary and a car and everything paid. I went to looking for a condo. And I realized that once I left the church, which I knew was going to happen, I wouldn't be able to pay it. And I remember going to Pastor George before this church ever existed. And I said, well, do you think I should do it? And, I just, and he just said, yeah, go ahead. God will be faithful. And over the last 10 years, I've been living by faith. I don't have a regular salary coming in. It makes no sense, but I'm continued to give my 10% believing God's promise that if he could bless Abraham, he wants to bless me. I'm his child. I'm a child of the king. I, I understand how much more will he bless me. And you know, I'm still, I'm still living in the co-op, which is way more than makes sense that I can afford. That's why you don't see me a lot of Sundays, because I'm out living by faith, ministering, going where I get the call. And God has been faithful. I just want to praise him right now. God, I just thank you right now for your faithfulness. There were days and times when it looked like I was in trouble, when I couldn't pay the bill, and I never stopped giving. And God has been faithful in my life. And we have, we have some other people here who are going to testify right now. So I'm going to ask Sarah's going to come, Irene. As they're coming, I'm going to reread the scripture that Pastor George had before from Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. See, when it talks about the storehouse, it's speaking about the church, the place where you come to be fed, the place, the place where we pray for you, the place you come and receive the word the place that covers you. You're not giving to me. You're not giving to Pastor George. You're giving to yourselves because this church belongs to you. This is not Pastor. He'll be the last one to ever say that this is his church. This church belongs to every one of you. 
And, and it says here, test God. God. There's no other place in the Word of God where God says, test me. Try me and see if I won't be faithful. And I have a few people here who have tried God and God has been found faithful. Good afternoon, church. You know, Pastor Gary asks you to do things and you get nervous and you want to run. <laughs> but then the Spirit of God reminds you of his faithfulness. And um, three years, about three years ago, um, almost four, me and my husband, Marcelo, went through a transition. We had two children graduating from high school back to back. In that um, time, my hours got cut from my job. We had saved money. You know, when you have three children, saved money is like having nothing because it goes. And um, I remember I was like, Lord, how am I going to pay for these children's college. But one thing that I remember always, I used to tell my husband, we still have to pay our tithes. I don't care if we don't got enough food, if we don't have enough to wear, but we still have to pay our tithes. And my prayer was, I remember I was in a prayer group with Elsie and a couple of women, and my fear was, I don't ever wanna have to pay a bill that takes me away from paying my tithes. And I'm here to tell you about this faithful, loyal, true God that in these almost four years, Marcelo's in his last semester of college, Mary Lynn graduated, and through all that paying our tithes, Marcelo got a job, Mary Lynn got blessed with a job, and the last payment of this school will be this year, and God has been so faithful to us. I want to tell you that there was zero in the bank when Mary Lynn went to work, to college, when he, she graduated from college. And every month, either Joshua will call me and say, Mom, I'm in the Navy. I want to send you some money for Mary Lynn's book, books. Or I want to do this. Or, or a check will come. And I will say, somebody will tell me a big check. $50 will come through the mail. Marilyn said, I got this, these books in a website. How much is it, Marilyn? $50, mom. <laughs> and I, we've been on vacation. We've done so much. And when Pastor Gary asked me, I didn't want to speak. But this week, God kept telling me, did, I, did you trust me? Did I fail you? No, he hasn't failed us. But I didn't want to. Stop giving the church. I didn't want to stop giving God. And because of that, his vow of his promises, he has never let us down. So if I encourage you, even though things look bad and there's no money, continue to give faithfully. Because this faithful God will not let you down. God bless you. Good afternoon, church. God bless you. Um, my name is Irene, and I'm, um, I have one son, so it's a one-parent home. Um, I can truly say that I have learned the, the, um, the truth and the trust of God because I've learned that when you give, he will outgive you. Not that he will give you back. He will outgive you. And that can be in any area of your life, and I've learned that early on in my walk. Um, 
Gosh, everything just went from right from my mind. My mind is clear right about now. Yep. Give me a minute. <sighs> okay. Thank you, Lord. So, as you all know, our church is growing, and this church has been a tremendous blessing in my life. I have seen areas of my life wake up, be strengthened, be encouraged to know that God always has more for you in your character, in your trust, in your intimacy. So whenever I go to a church that is pouring into me, it's without a doubt that I return it back to the Lord. Not to the church, but to the Lord. And it's exactly where I'm growing. And I get this image right now, I'm speaking to you, is you have a flower in a pot and it grows roots. And when it's growing roots, you got to keep watering it so that it continues to grow. So that's my desire while I'm here or wherever God has me growing and encouraging. This is the pot and I'm here and I'm a flower growing. So I chose to pour back into it. So this church, as you know, is growing and it's building another side. God has blessed us. So I came in on a Wednesday and I came towards the end because I had something that I committed myself to. So all I heard was, okay, if you desire to contribute, you know, to the building, whatever you want to give, because we're at the end. Pastor George explained how the closing, the lawyers, the this, the that, so many technical areas. My thing is, I get excited to give, and I'm not, I'm not joking. I just like to give because I love to see what God does. Not that he's going to give it back to me, but just to hear the report, oh, we got it, or it came in above and beyond and be over. You know, it's just running over. So I came in, and I heard that, and I said, oh, Lord, I want to give. I want to give. And I'm not saying this to boast. I am not. I'm just saying this to encourage you. I said, okay, Lord, I want to give 200, but is that what you want? Mind you, I'm not working. I'm on a fixed income. Okay. But knowing me, I want to give more. Not that I have it. So I'm like, okay, Lord, is it three? Or four? I just see big, but I know I ain't got it. So that means that I have to trust him. So the first number that came to my mind was 200. I didn't have the money. I gave a check. I ran home, came back with the check, and gave 200. When I tell you how fast God works, he is an awesome, faithful God. And I don't even think faithful fits him. Because he's much bigger than that. You know when you have a spot in there and he feels it and it's not about money, you're like, oh, you are the bomb. You are awesome. I can't even explain it to others, but I'll just be who you've called me to be so that they could see you. So I gave the $200, went to bed, and I said, okay, Lord, no big deal. I was like, but should I have given more? Not, oh, I couldn't give. I is hard. Should I have given more? The next day there was a situation. Guess how much money I got back? $200. And I'm going, oh my God, Lord, you're funny. And I'm just giving him praise and honor and glory because things are tight. I mean, people who are working know how tight it is. So imagine those that are not working. Now, another situation occurred and I had a dream that I'm usually, I try to be responsible. No way have I arrived, but I know that with him, if you're responsible, he got your back. He got your back. Like the check that's coming from the next payday, he got your back. So I decided to, rather, I, I had a dream that I didn't pay a bill, a credit card. And in my dream, I knew I was having a dream, but I was like bewildered. I was like, no, that can't be me because I'm always on point with my credit cards, whatever. It was a charge. And, I, and in the dream, I felt like God was saying, relax, don't worry, but know that this is happening. The next week, 
dumb me, I gave the landlord two rent checks. So that means I gave him double instead of one month. Well, I started boohooing because I ain't got nobody to back me up physically. It's a one-parent home. When I called the bank, I called the landlord, he said, oh, don't worry about it. You're just ahead. And I was like, no, for real? Are you going to help me out? And the Lord said, and while I'm talking on the phone, I could see the dream in my head. And he was saying, are you going to trust me? You're going to have peace. Are you going to trust me? You're going to have peace. So I'm talking to the bank on the phone and the bank goes, okay, miss, we'll call us at the end of the week because that's when it goes into collection. Mind you, it's over $700, over. And then you're talking finance charge, overdraft fee, this, that, and the other. Well, by the time it all ended, I didn't get no overdraft fee. They didn't charge me. They waited for my money to come in so that it could cover it and no problem. But God was telling me, Irene, you have trusted me. Now trust me more because I have proven myself faithful. If I could encourage you, I'm not saying what amount to give to whatever situation. Trust him with a little and let him make it grow. And with that, you'll get encouraged to know, oh, I can't outgive him. I cannot. So then you give more, and he begins to show you his glory. He begins to show you who he is. He'll begin to show you how he's managing it. But we have to be responsible. Just be, if it's a penny, be responsible over that penny. God bless you. I hope I encouraged you. Amen. Nathaniel, if you could go back um my wife's going to give a testimony. But as she's coming, I, I just have to tell you, some of you look disappointed that this isn't one of those feel-good Sunday morning messages. But with everything in me, with all the passion that I have, this is not about this church getting money. I want to see you all blessed. I want to see you walk in the fullness but sometimes we got to get serious with God. Sometimes we got to show Him, I trust you, God. I'm going to give you back the first fruits of what I have. God bless. Um, back in the 80s, I was uh, born again, and uh, I was also a single parent. Uh, my daughter was young and um, had an apartment. And the landlord decided to raise my rent. And when I did my budget, the amount that he wanted in the raise was the same amount I was giving in my tithing. And I said, no, Lord, I'm not going to give your tithing to that heathen man. So you're going to have to do something. So the landlord kept threatening me about he had to list the apartment if I couldn't give him the increase. And so I just kept praying. About a month went by when he, I was supposed to be put out. I didn't pack a, a box or anything because I knew, I trusted that God would come through. And sure enough, at my job, I got like a 1% raise, something like that. And, but that was the amount that I needed to give him the raise and to keep the tithe. So I, when, when I gave him the money, he says, where did you get the money? I said, well, the Lord blessed me. So I never turned back from tithing because I learned at that time that God would come through. Praise God. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a, a million 
testimonies, but I, I had picked that one, and got, Gary reminded me, uh, re more recently, like a year ago, I broke my arm, I couldn't work, I was getting disability, <laughs> and uh, God came through in, in other ways. There were people here in church that came to see me. There was somebody who did my hair because I couldn't curl my hair. Uh, there were people that came and brought shopping bags of food. Um, and that, that was God who, who supplied to my need, even though I wasn't working, I wasn't getting uh, a lot of money and disability, but God came through. And as you can tell, we didn't go starve or anything. So I praise God for that. Right, they can't tell from me. Look, I'm, I'm not out of shape. Round is a shape, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to ask, the, I remember before I said that when, Mel, when Abraham met Melchizedek, Melchizedek, who is a picture of Jesus, he gave Abraham the bread, the bread and the wine, which we know symbolizes the covenantal faithful love of, of a righteous loving Savior. And, and we're going to offer that to you right now. So the ushers are going to begin to pass out the communion. When you get it, I'm just going to ask you to hold on to it. And Melissa is going to come up. So please begin to pass out the... Um, Um, Pastor G asked me to share a short testimony about tithing, and I brought my Sunday school class out today because a few months ago I testified to them that I didn't know how I was going to pay for my mortgage a few months ago, but I was trusting God that by faith we would have everything that we needed to pay. So I had to bring them out to hear that I was able to pay my mortgage. And one thing is that, you know, it becomes, and give my tithes. And what happened was that, you know, I had given, I wish I could say I was always faithful with my tithes. You know, um, I haven't always been faithful with my tithes in the past. And this time when I ran into trouble, the temptation was, well, I can use my tithes money to pay these bills and then I'll pay it back. You know, I'll, I'll then gather the money and whatever. And how many of you know when you do that, there never seems to be time to pay it back. And then the temptation was, well, I can just say, God, forgive me. And I know he won't. I'll start again. So then I don't have to give it back. And I decided, and this was, you know, and I, you know, I've come a long way in my Christian walk and, and I value giving and I've been so blessed throughout my life because I come from a family of givers who taught me to give and to tithe. And what happened to me was that I had this chunk of money. There was a problem with the car. There were so many things. And I said, well, some things are not going to be paid, but the tithe is being paid. And then the following week came. And I don't know how it happened. Well, I know how it happened because the Lord is merciful and gracious. But I went to pay the rest of the bills. And I went, oh, these are not due yet. And I was able to pay. And what ended up happening then is that I was short. I finally got to the place where I was short. And for those of you who know me, I have spreadsheets for my spreadsheets about money. Okay? I'm very organized with my bill paying. And what happened to me? I ran out of money. And I said, well, Lord all right, I guess I'm going to get my, my first you haven't paid or I knew my phone or something else would get turned off. But I had told these children that I was trusting in God 
And about two days after that, in comes my tax return. So everything was paid, everything was up to date, and I had surplus to put into savings. So I say that because I could have testified of many things that happened with my giving long ago, but that's something that just happened today. So guys over here, trust God. He will be faithful to you because he has been faithful to me, and he has been faithful to many of those here. So I just wanted to share this with you tonight, today. again 
going to read one last scripture in closing in closing actually two philippians 419 here are two promises for you and this same god who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which was, has been given to us in christ jesus psalm 37 verse 18 day by day the lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Listen to this promise. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. That's a promise from God that you can lose everything. Your job could go down. Your business could go bankrupt. And the whole economy can crash. And in the midst of that, God says... Don't worry because I got you. I provide for you. And not only provide, but more than enough. So here's the way I want to do communion. We're not going to, usually I like to do it all together. But this, this issue I'm talking about today, it's not between me, you, and God. It's between you and God. I want, I want, the, the, the bread and the grape juice symbolizes God's faithful love, his commitment to you, his promise to you. Now, I don't want you to come up here to respond. I don't want to know, and I never will know. Because this is about you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to see the faithfulness of God. This, I, I'm not going to get any of the money you give. And we're not taking an offering now. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm speaking about a lifestyle of giving and blessing. And as you give, the blessings flow back to you, overwhelming, that there would always be more than enough in your house. 
no lack. So just between you and God, when you're ready, let him show you how to respond to this. Just between you and him, and, and maybe during the week, you can ask God. So I'm, I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. I, I just want to pray over you before we take communion. In Jesus' name, I break the poverty spirit off of you right now, off of your finances. I break the spirit of lack. And I decree and declare that there is always more than enough in your bank account, more than enough in your house, that you are blessed, that the provision of heaven is overflowing, that God is opening up the windows of heaven and pouring down more than you can contain. I release over you jobs, better jobs, promotions, businesses, careers, divine favor, unexpected miraculous checks in the mail. And I just released a blessing over you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're not going to leave in spectacular fashion today. We're not even going to close in prayer. There's not going to be a closing song. Just when, you're, when you and God are done, you're free to go. But don't leave here till you've had a conversation with God about what you heard about these testimonies and scriptures. And right after church, if you need healing, they're right back here. We're going to pray. We're going to break sickness off you. Or for today, if you have a special financial need, you come in the room and we're going we're gonna to pray God's provision over your life because the provision of heaven is always in place. So as soon as, soon as you've had a, your meeting with God, you're free to go. God bless you.